Welcome back to Story Science with DJ Finley. I am, of course, your hostess, DJ Finley. And today is going to be really special because I kind of want to talk about how I set up and structure the actual writing of a scene, which I've noticed many people don't like talking about. The actual sitting your butt down in the chair and writing a scene. And this is going to be kind of a cool little two-part thing. The second part is actually going to be on my YouTube channel where I'm going to actually write a scene for you on video and kind of show you and talk you through how I write and work with the characters and the dialogue and all that cool stuff dealing with that. So keep an eye out on YouTube for that. When I get the video posted, it will the link to that will be in the description of this podcast down in the description box below. So let's actually get on to today's topic of really taking in like how to write a scene and work with the characters a little differently than how a lot of writing teachers teach you how to do it. And this is not a don't listen to your English teacher, don't listen to your writer's teacher kind of a podcast. This one is going over a little bit of my journey through learning how to actually sit down and write a good scene that flows and feels good because I did not learn how to write these kinds of really good scenes in, uh, in an English class because I don't know, it just didn't really work for me the way that they were trying to teach it. And I've noticed, you know, being with writer groups and helping people with their writing that a lot of people kind of suffer from the same problems that I had back in my early stages of writing. And so this is not a do it my way or you're wrong. This is kind of a introduce you to how I do things and hopefully get you thinking, oh, I could do that or I don't really like the way you do it, but I could probably tweak a few ideas here and there. So that's mostly what this is for. And of course, we will be using communications. So the majority of people, when they hear communications, they only think of the transmission of information model, which is, of course, source, message, channel, and receiver. That is a good way of thinking about it, but there is a lot more to that. The transition model is a good part of communications. However, this lack of understanding treats communications as nothing more than just exchanging ideas, which is how most people consider communications. People who focus on this only focus on the message content or on what each party is thinking. However, according to the Coordination Management of Meaning model, or CMM, as I'm going to refer to it in this podcast, by simply focusing on the message content or what people are thinking, we lose the pattern of communication and what that pattern creates. Communication isn't just a tool to exchange ideas. I know we want to think that, but it's not. It's, it creates relationship, it creates organizations, cultures, an individual sense of self. You know, Your personal identity is all built on communications, how you see yourself and how others see you. Where writing advice was messing me up with this was that it wanted writers to find, before even writing the book, social realities that our characters are involved in. This is wrong. Social realities are created, not found. Now, for many writers, this works. But what I realized was that it didn't work for me. Having the social realities pre-constructed and just writing those the way I'm like, okay, this is how I'm going to have it written. It made everything feel really manufactured and unnatural, basically. It was like, it basically kind of felt like everything was following this very tight scripted moment. So instead, I decided to follow CMM's argument that people don't find social realities, they create them. 
The CMM theory argues that the way people communicate with one another is oftentimes more important than the matter being discussed. The mood and mannerisms that a person adapts during an interaction or experience plays a large part in the construction of the reality. This changed the way that I approached a scene. Instead of focusing on what and how much information I should divulge, I decided to focus on who are these characters right here, right now. This is because people are different at different stages of their lives, and they will continue to change during and after each life experience. Most changes are small and hardly noticeable, but they are there. Scenes like a conversation should affect a character in a way separate from the issue that is discussed. Every experience and conversation should change the way a character views something, thinks, their opinions, their ideas, either for the better or for the worse. These changes can be gradual or subconscious or happen very, very quickly. The character's decisions and experiences can either progress them forward positively or negatively but can also send them back to old beliefs and situations. However, when sending a character back to square one, remember that this is not the same person they were last time they were there. Therefore, their actions and interactions, as well as their thought process, will be different. A good or, I guess, bad example of this would be Han Solo from episode seven. I know I'm going back to Star Wars, but bear with me because this is a good point. So I did not have a problem with Han being a smuggler in episode seven. That was actually the least of my problems. I thought it was very fitting for Han Solo to be a smuggler. Where I had a problem was that he was back to square one that he was in A New Hope. That was my problem. I didn't mind him being in an old job. I minded the fact that he was the same character when he was back at that job, just old. Han in episode 7 needed to be more in command, possibly have a whole crew working for him. Why wasn't he out there getting information for Leia? After everything he's been through, Han should have a new goal as a smuggler and would now be in a mentor position for the younger generation. That was where I had a big problem because like he it's just him and Chewie. He doesn't have a bunch of people working for him. He's not getting information for Leia. He's not trying to help supply the resistance with uh, information or quality items like ships and explosive devices or guns. He's not trying to heed the resistance in any way. He's just, he and Leia are having some marital problems. And so now he's out back to square one, basically. That was where I had a big issue. And also, they had this whole thing in episode 9 where Poe used to be a spice runner. Why the crap wasn't Poe's introduction to the rebellion being taken off the streets by Han and introduced to the resistance that way? That would have made sense. But no. So that is a really bad example of sending a character back to square one. When you do send a character back to square one, they need to be a very different character from who they were when they originally started at square one because they've been through experiences, their view of the world has changed. The stories that characters tell, hear, and think aren't as simple as writers want to believe. As the creator of the story, we know exactly what happened. The characters do not. Communication is a two-sided 
process, dealing with stories told and stories lived. Stories told are the way characters make sense of the world they inhabit and explain the unknown. This is the makings and management of meaning. I'm not just talking about dialogue, but also thoughts and actions the characters use to make sense of the story and their reality. No two characters see a situation the exact same way. Even if one character brings another character to their way of thinking, what about their argument brought the other character to their side? A person can see all of the facts presented and still won't change their beliefs if they're strong enough. Stories lived is what actually happened right here and right now, the present moment, if you will. While it's important as the writer to know exactly what happened and what is currently happening, the characters don't have that luxury of certainty. Rather, their truth of any given topic is made up by multiple truths than one whole truth. So how do you do this? When structuring a scene, don't just ask yourself what has to happen, but also ask who are these characters right here, right now, this moment in time? What are their beliefs about themselves, the world, the topic, the person they are speaking with? How are any of these beliefs affected by what's happened in the scene? What kind of person will the character be in the end of the scene for the next scene as a result? Keeping in mind who each character is at a certain point in time makes it easier to show who they are as a person. A really good example is actually Elizabeth Bennet from Pride and Prejudice. After she overhears Darcy insulting her, it starts her on the path of prejudice for the rest of the book to happen. The prejudice impacts her decisions and views of Darcy throughout the story. It even causes her to make friends and sympathize with Jack Wickham. Or is it George Wickham? I don't remember his name. Wickham. She sees him as a decent person for a bit until she starts getting conflicting information. And then slowly, Elizabeth starts to change her view of Darcy and come around to actually falling in love with him. Okay, so let's actually show this. You show this through patterns of behavior. This is how the character acts in every scene. <laughs> so when I started writing, I noticed a lot of writers in classes I took, they love talking about scenes that show who your character is, but this advice forgets some to mention behavior patterns. Yeah. This is one of the reasons this advice did not help me at all when I was learning to write. <laughs> From a communication standpoint, there is never a moment when we aren't acting in a way that's consistent to our personality and who we are. Sometimes these actions are society-approved ways or are not society-approved ways. Actions that are socially approved are called scripts. If someone says hello to you, you say hello back. There should never be a moment when your character is not acting like themselves. A great way to drive home who your character is, is to know exactly what your character's personality is and how they react to certain information and situations. And I will have an entire podcast on that alone. Moments when a character does something contrary to their nature is when events and their understanding have pushed them to act differently. That is where contrary action is very rewarding or very 
face palming because if a character is just reacting out of character because the script demands them, it always comes across as very forced and contrived and readers and viewers do not like it. However, when a character acts contrary as a result of hardship and trial and error and now they you're really showing that they this is a very different person from who they were, this is a turning point in their life, then it's extremely rewarding or fearful if the character is turning evil. Okay, so I'm pretty sure by talking about character personalities and patterns of behavior, you're probably thinking, well, what about archetypes? Characters are more than just one archetype. In fact, it's better to think of a character as possessing all of the different archetypes to varying degrees. These degrees change as the character grows and changes throughout the progression of their arc. The mentor can change to be a student and the student can change to be a mentor. Yes, your character will still display more traits of a certain character archetype. Much of that is dependent on age, past experience, uh, inherent personality, social groups, exposure of ideologies, and political happenings. For instance, if you're writing a teenage character, keep in mind that there are things a teenager that all teenagers do. And it would be weird if they didn't act on these emotions at some point in the story. Okay, so as I mentioned, I'm going to have a video on YouTube where I actually show writing a scene and working with these elements, but I'm just giving you these points. While writing the scene, answer the questions as you go. But before you can completely implement the questions, it's really good to start with what sort of a scene is this particular scene in the story? Is this scene a world building scene? Is it an information scene, an action scene, a character bonding scene? Knowing first off and foremost what your scene is really tells you where to focus in the mood of your character who is interacting in this scene. Or characters, I should say. Because you can't fully apply the patterns of behavior if you don't know what type of a scene, if you're dealing with an action scene, is this character a first throw the first punch type of a character or is this character more of a, I'd rather talk this out and come to a peaceful uh, conclusion. So when writing the scene, you apply patterns of behavior to show and relay what's going on with your characters. A character's patterns aren't easy to pre-plan. They show up as you write the first draft and get a better feeling for the personalities and the way they talk. I actually have two shows that really, really helped the way that I structured scenes and worked with character personalities. One of the shows was surprisingly the Red Green Show that taught me a lot on improving my character's interactions. For those of you too cultured to know what the Red Green Show is, permit me to explain. It's a Canadian comedy show TV show that ran from 1991 to 2006, featuring a crazy group of Canadian rednecks. Most people I've met dislike this show, saying that it has the worst writing they've ever seen. All right, uh, that really depends on how you look at it. On the surface level, it comes across as a bunch of idiots doing dumb stuff for seemingly no reason, but it was written that way. The joke of the show is that the show is a joke. The characters are supposed to be the members of Possum Lodge and the show is following their lives. What's great about the Red Green Show is that 
since the plot and scenes are easy to follow, you don't have to sit there figuring out what might happen next. You can just pay attention to the way each character talks, acts, and what their thoughts on the issue are. They make fun of society, different points of view, and each other with snappy dialogue that fits each character's personality. So what I did, one of the things I did when I was first rethinking how to structure a scene was I would take a scene from the Red Green Show, whether it be the Possum Lodge word game or one of the talking about what's happening scenes or just, just any scene from the show. And I would take the dialogue, I'd first write down all of the dialogue, and then I would figure out how would I describe what this character's body language is, how to describe the tone of voice, how to play with the way the words are put in to really get the maximum punch of how that character is talking. That was one of the major things that I did. All right, so I mentioned two shows. The second show, which I will talk about far more in depth in the character personality podcast that I'm currently writing a script for, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2003. Okay, I know this show is extremely cheesy, and it is. That's kind of what's cute about it. But it does a really, really fantastic job showing character personalities and patterns of behavior. Because the four main turtles are kind of almost, not exactly, but almost pure forms of the color code, which is one of the most useful things I've ever found to create characters' personalities and really build on their patterns of behavior. So I highly recommend if you really want to kind of learn to set up a scene and figure out what's the best way to get across your character's personality and what is happening, those are two shows I highly recommend looking up, looking into, and try writing out a scene. Pick a scene, preferably if you're doing the Red Green Show, I would start from, I think it's 1998 and up. Uh, That's where I would start trying. The earlier shows, they're still trying to figure it out, but I would go one of the later seasons. Pick a scene, write down the dialogue, and try to write the scene as you saw it, at the way it happened on film, because that helps a lot. And you can do the same thing with Ninja Turtles. So to wrap this up, basically what CMM is talking about is that you can't really decide on your character's social reality if you don't know your character's moods and mannerisms people would adopt during an interaction, because a lot of times people make assumptions off of a interaction by just reading each other, reading each other's body language, being engaged in the moment. If your characters are just responding to the information that is being given, then scenes generally tend to fall very flat because your characters are not acting the way people would react. People act a lot based on body language and word choice and the mood the person is sending across during the conversation. So really focusing in on what your characters are feeling and their personal views on the topic and why they don't want to listen or do want to listen to the other person they're talking to helps a lot. And again, I just want to remind you that I am going to have a video on YouTube where I actually write a scene. If you're listening to this after that video has been posted, go check out the description box of this podcast for the link, which I will add once the video is up. Or you could just go to my YouTube channel. You can easily find it by type story science with DJ Finley. It should be fairly easy to find. So I hope you've enjoyed. I hope I hope it gave you some 
fun little trinkets to think about and mull over in your mind. And of course, I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy this content, make sure to follow on your favorite streaming platform. For all news and information about upcoming shows and what I'm up to, make sure to follow me on Facebook. If you wish to contact me to tell me either your thoughts on the episode you heard or to give me suggestions on future podcasts, or maybe you'd like to co-host with me in a future podcast, you can either message me through Anchor, Facebook, or you can email me at seriesoflivesinc. All links are in the description box below. Make it a great day, and I will talk to you later. Bye!